0: Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy, and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward thinking, and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom, and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So, on to today's episode.
1: Hi, I can see it now. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs>
0: and uh, it's a very informal start I'm hunkered down in my bedroom because my neighbor decided to start cutting the grass just as we started this so
1: I've had to like
0: run into a different room the joys of recording on the internet
1: (laughs) yeah I'm in my living room at the moment and I have um I'm just letting in some fresh air in the sun So I don't know if you'll hear anything in the background. Ah, Hopefully, That's all good. It
0: was more that they were just blasting the tunes and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can't get away with this. (laughs) Uh, That's whack. (laughs) But I will say that I am chatting to Chaz B. What's up? Yeah. And Chaz, I feel like you've been on my radar for a while now. And then you actually popped up in a conversation recently, which I'm sure you've heard now, uh, with Hannah from glasgow can and when she mentioned your name i was like yes yes i do know who chas b is but again like i say on this podcast quite a lot we've never met
1: no we haven't there's a lot of people that i want to meet that i haven't met i mean the scene is huge in that way Mm. where you're always missing each other I think the good thing about being in lockdown is the opportunity to network in these informal ways when you're not able to see each other. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I've had the opportunity to speak to so many interesting people um, and it was something that I wasn't really open to initially, like doing this remotely, but I'm so glad that I kind of embraced it because it's allowed me to still be creative and stay connected and, and meet new people so i've got lots of people that i can meet on lock after lockdown now that i can see in real life <laughs> sick
1: that's awesome i think you need to because um everything will uh, innovate and then if you're just waiting for the right opportunity then it doesn't happen
0: so true so true and i find it quite unusual that we've never met because we are kind of in the same world but in the dance world
1: yeah we are
0: i know what i know basically, from your Instagram, from your social media. And I love all your content. Um, Thank you. You're an incredible dancer, I have to say that.
1: Awesome. (laughs) I'm really really happy to hear that.
0: It's, I mean, like, what you can do with your body is just insane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's hard work, though. It's hard work to make it look good. I
0: can absolutely imagine that it is, definitely. And I see, obviously, you post on um, videos, not only of, like, you performing and practising but also like doing your workouts, which are obviously very vigorous.
1: Yeah, I think nowadays there, there's a consciousness around your health within our scene. I think nowadays, you know, there are dancers looking to dance well into their forties uh, and maybe mm. early fifties even now. Maybe they're not at such an active level like they were like all those years ago, but there is now like a greater consciousness around it and Mm -hmm. I think um I've seen examples from other dancers that's what inspired me and I think you just have to see the you just have to see the results and you notice within some people like maybe there was a, a like a like a lack in their health for whatever reason And you see it in their motions, you see it in their movement, and then all of a sudden, you see it on their social media, they're working out, they're taking all these different uh, supplements, they're doing uh, fasting and all these different things. It's mad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I guess like, you know, the old saying, age doesn't come itself, but being able to dance longer than what would maybe be considered the you know the the prime age for being a performer being a dancer yeah I'm I'm heading towards forty and still performing which is a total joy and a total gift and absolutely relish the opportunities to still perform whenever possible. But um yeah. taking you back, basically how did you fall in love with dance? What was the inspiration? Who was the inspiration?
1: Uh, who was the inspiration? Um I had a friend in school, and I was maybe 14, 15, um, had a speech issue. Every time I tried to speak a sentence, I would have major, major issues, and it caused me a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry. Wow. I had no real inclination to socialize. Um, I, I felt like a victim, let's say. Like, every day, I just sort of went through every day in school, and I'm just like, well, what's the point in all of this? really. And then I had a mm-hmm. friend, uh, Will, actually, who said that he went to a class at the Scottish Youth uh, Theatre. And I went along one time, because I'm like, what do I have uh, to lose? And when I got there, there's a guy called uh, Carlito, um, who was running the session there with a guy called uh, Wooly, And uh, like their background was also in martial arts. I think Carlito did uh, capoeira, and uh, Wally, I think he did like a Korean martial art of some sort. I, there's an acronym, mm. and I don't know what it is. But um, as soon as I got there, what was really fascinating was that they just really wanted to know me. There I was, always worried about how how I would sound, how I would appear to people. But they just cared if you were nice. Like they just cared. Like if if you're a cool person, then you're a cool person. And that's awesome. And that's very uh, uh, synonymous with what everyone is like in uh, hip-hop. They're just like, look, if you're a cool person, then that's amazing. So I went to this class. It was every Thursday. This is about 2007. So I was about Mm -hmm. 15 at the time. And I only realized how much I liked it when I wasn't there. It was one of those things where just the time away from it, whether I was done well or I had a uh, family thing or I had homework or whatever it was, like the time that I spent away from it, I was just like, I really want to do it. I really, really want to do it. Yeah. And then you just find your ways to make it work. And then fast forward a couple of years, I'm in the Flying Jalapenos. Um, I managed to sort of build up a good um, relationship with all those guys, with mall. And everyone else there, and um that ran for a good uh, four years or so. then we started to well actually I'm sort of getting a bit ahead of, uh, uh, a bit uh ahead here, but basically from about say two thousand and eight two thousand and nine, I think the motivation was higher because I could travel to events. I could travel to mm-hmm. events, I could battle uh went down to Newcastle a lot, went down to Manchester at the time as well. It's so weird because you don't always think about where you started until someone asks you and then it's just like, (laughs) holy shit, a
0: lot has happened. Yeah, yeah. but I think a lot of people say it's quite nice to look back. It's quite cathartic to realise the journey and the story thus far. Yeah, because you're just living from day to day and just focusing on what you you, you want now or what you're working towards. And um, yeah, I think it's often quite, nice for people to look back and realize how far they have come it's and when and,
1: and when you have like that the self awareness of who you are right now you're only worried about who you are right now hmm. and it's a crutch in a way because the person that I was 12 years 13 years ago when I was first learning was a completely different person like I wouldn't have ever had like the balls to do something like this all those years ago that's what
0: I'm just thinking like it was such a big deal for you going to that initial class it sounds because if you have something that's really stopping you you know whether that's your mindset or whether there's your ability or what you perceive your ability to to be able to communicate with other people or to make friends or put yourself out your comfort zone I think that's just grown up and that is just a difficult thing to do when you are a young person as well regardless of any barriers that you know are in front of you of
1: course and I think anybody with a stutter of some sort which I had like it was really really bad you just think everyone will react the same way when you meet everybody you, you might get a couple of laughs there might be some uncertainty and you just you feel so bad because you don't know how to help yourself but the other person can't really be in the wrong either because they're not used to hearing it either. But you take it so... Uh, pers- like, you, you just, you just uh, take it to heart. And it's such a big issue, you know?
0: And was the, the dance that helped you overcome that? Or did you receive other help?
1: I would say it's been a huge part. I mean, I did get some speech uh, therapy when I was younger. Um, I got a private speech therapist... But no, she helped me when I was like 16, 17, 18 years old. That was around the time when I was learning and, and more invested into it, let's say. And um, I found a way to express myself without having to say anything. And that's a huge deal because everybody wants to be heard. Everyone wants to feel significant. Everyone wants to feel uh, appreciated. But if you can't even express that from the jump, then it's as if you know you just feel less significant you feel less appreciated because you can't get that word out yeah. but um over time I developed the courage to uh, tackle my issues and I had to learn a lot about myself as well so it's a long it was a it's a lot of hard work
0: gosh like obviously not knowing you and not knowing that part of your life I think it's amazing what you've been able to achieve and overcome and in that time Thank you. um because that could have been a real barrier for you for the rest of your life and just finding something like you were saying a way to communicate yourself that doesn't necessarily involve speaking is a really powerful thing mm. you know obviously working in the arts i'm lucky to be privy to to that time and time again where people can communicate their ideas and who they are
1: yeah for a lot of people it is an issue like for a lot of people like even if they don't have like a speech issue like i had just that inability to be heard or to feel as though you're worthy of being heard like it it changes people's lives when you take uh control of it when you feel like you're in control not of every aspect of your life but you have more control over it having a uh, control over you hmm. And that's a big deal. I think, um, like, I am a perfectionist at heart. And I think it comes uh, with these roots of just doing my utmost to be heard and my utmost to be seen. And um, But then the problem is that having such a mentality like this can stop you from maybe doing it at first, Mm. like from doing anything at first for that matter.
0: Because you don't think it's good enough.
1: But then how do you know, like, who's actually telling you that?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's that, it's that thing, you know, it's that wee voice in your head sometimes that says, I could do this and I could do this and, I, you know, I'd like to do that, but ah, but no, actually no, because X, Y, and Z. And it's just that, it's a story that you quite often tell yeah. yourself.
1: But the thing with hip-hop, it changed my self-image. It changed how I saw myself, how I heard myself, how I looked at myself. And um, when you're talking about, as you said there, like the thoughts you have in your head and how easily you can create any doubts and worry and anxieties for yourself, it's the same faculties to create uh, confidence in yourself. Sorry, um, yeah. I, I just had a little thought there in my head. Like the the fact that you can use the worry and anxiety to actually show appreciation for yourself, to show love for yourself, It's it's incredible. And in that one thing that I had to learn is to be my biggest uh, cheerleader mm. out of all of this. I think that um, from the moment you wake up to the moment that you're on your way and on your way home from work to the moment that you go to sleep, you're alone with your thoughts. It's only you. So it's like, what are the things that you're saying to yourself? Are you helping yourself or are you hurting so yourself?
0: Yeah. I actually put on a post a couple of, uh, I think it was like last week or something about being. A cheerleader which i was for four years i was a pro sports cheerleader amazing um, you know so spent a lot of my time cheering for other people <laughs> supporting them and that's something that i want the podcast to be that's that's it feels kinda...
1: good it feels good yeah, to oh, do that. it's
0: the best thing ever you know to to support people in what they're doing and give them a, a leg up and you know give them a shout out absolutely that's something that i've always found easy to do and that's something that i do like about myself but something that I probably personally need to do is be more of a cheerleader for myself. But I've had this conversation on the podcast before with other people, and it can be that um, can be that Scottish mentality of if you big yourself up, you can be deemed as having a big mm. heed.
1: Now, see, when you say that, I've already been over that for years.
0: Right, well, tell us the secret, Chaz. How do you get over that?
1: There are two ways. Like, off the top of my head, there are two ways that you can approach it. The first way is to view the worst case of it. The worst case of, like, what does everything look like when nothing is actually going your way? Like, you just have to really imagine to really get immersed in the moment Like, nothing is working out for me. Everyone hates me. I don't have any friends. I don't have any love or help in my life. And and, and then you just have to be privy to the thoughts that will show up. And maybe those thoughts are similar to the thoughts you're having right now. Like, maybe those thoughts of, like, lack and limitation and anxiety, everything like that, are similar thoughts in what you're having right now, whether you like to admit to it or not. There's a level of honesty that we need with ourselves, too, where you're not going to be, you know, 100 percent every single day. But there's a lot more that you're in uh, control of than you think. A lot of the neuroscience that's uh, that's been out for like many, many years is the power of your thoughts and how that can maybe change your uh, physiology and how what fires together can wire together as well. And and this sort of bridges on to the other side of it as well. Like what would happen if for a whole day you told yourself that you're the fucking man, that everything is going amazing, that you just have all this energy, you have all this love, you have all this appreciation. And then you compare that with when you're immersed in all the shit and you're just like, that's not a life. That's not a life at all. And mm. then you sort of go down this rabbit hole of like, uh, different ways to boost your self-esteem and your self-image where this comes in the form of um, meditations affirmations you know uh, visualizations as well it all sort of plays on our subconscious it's such a huge asset to us and 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 I have to say that um while it has been really hard work to be conscious of all these newer habits and newer things when you start and like a year or two so's time the the, um, the improvements you make they're they're huge
0: so you know I understand the the allure of the arts in general and what the benefits of being part of the arts whether it be just you know a hobby or whether you take it on to be a career but Dan specifically obviously which is my world um, and I've been lucky enough to dabble in you know various different styles but breaking What is it about breaking? Because it feels like that that's just, you know, obviously that's a whole culture. You know, the music, what you wear, the history behind it. We're not even onto the actual choreography and the moves and the practice of it. What is it about breaking that you were sold on?
1: The ultimate form of expression. Like the idea that you can take ideas from other cultures, from other movements you put the b-boy essence onto it and it's a completely different thing like for me to be able to conceptualize that and maybe took a couple of years or actually no like even longer like five six seven eight nine years but the idea that you're inspired by everything around you that the range of movements that you have are almost uh limitless I mean there are people this year they're still innovating they're still innovating they're 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 taking moves to the next level even though it's not only about the moves hmm. but still you know that there's like a, a upward movement in terms of like what can be um accomplished i think it's just like one of the best things that you can do that you can immerse yourself in
0: so you're a teenager you're going to class you found this new passion that you you just you you love and you feel that like you're you've s- suddenly got a voice and you can communicate yourself more freely. That's exactly it. Was it then your goal to make this your career or were you thinking that you were going to have this in your life but do something, something else?
1: I wanted to be um, a sound uh, technician when I was younger. Okay. That's what, that's what I wanted to do mm-hmm. because at first with my limited uh, knowledge... I was very much into like how music was made and everything like that. So that's what I did at uh, uni.
0: Cool, right.
1: But then you just sort of like over the years that you, in, that you invest your time and you immerse yourself within such a culture, you begin to sort of prioritize what matters most to you. Yeah. And I think what mattered most to me was just how, how I felt every day you know, the idea that I could be in a job that I hate. Like, I don't want to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of how much you would earn from it, whether it's a little or a lot, like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to wake up and think, shit, I don't want to do this. That's just not the way that I live. And then I got uh, through uni and then I just realized that, okay, it seems like like weighing up my options I just sort of realised that what I wanted to do was to dance. But I didn't want to go through all the conventional channels of just, like, whether you're doing showcases or, like, only teaching. Like, I wanted to make a difference with what I knew. So
0: how do you go about pursuing that career?
1: Um, well, let me think what I did. I mean, I'm also... I'm, I'm a part of the Churchill Trust as a fellow. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I got um, a grant from them to travel around America for eight weeks. This was in 2014. Ah, Cool, I got a grant from them to travel around America for eight weeks to learn how hip-hop affects young people from various environments.
0: Cool, what an adventure. That's amazing.
1: It was huge. It was a huge sort of part of my my learning, my life experience. It was just a crazy, crazy time. And um, when I came home, all I wanted to do was just to share what I, what I had learned
0: yeah, I bet.
1: and how the successes that were happening across those waters could easily happen here as well.
0: So were you seeing like breaking festivals and that, that culture being really celebrated and supported?
1: Oh yeah, like I went to some of the biggest events in the world that happened in America um, and it was just like, not only for the networking opportunities, but for the talent mm-hmm. that you saw i mean it's like a lot of the people you see in these dance movies a lot of the people that you see on youtube that are going uh viral and everything you're just walking right uh, past them at the doors of these events you're just like wait i just what like Uh (laughs) it's mad
0: (laughs) but that you know that in itself applying for that you know opportunity and put yourself out there i really admire that as well just you wanting to know more Wanting to continue your studies?
1: Yeah, I sort of fell into it, let's say. It wasn't really like um, a choice that was a conscious choice, like this is what I'm going to do. I think by the time that I got to the end of uni, I felt so uh, demotivated Mm. because what I wanted to learn wasn't what I learned. And I didn't follow some of the proper protocols in terms of like getting work experience and uh, the networking and everything like that. Um, So I had a bit of a resentment for a long time about that sort of career path, Mm. like sound and the science of sound and everything like that. But then I've learned so much from being an artist, from being a b-boy, that I wouldn't have learned if I did this other thing
0: this is the thing it's just the path isn't it and it's not it's not a linear path and I guess all the experiences we have feed back into to who we are at this moment and the choices that we're making like whether it's conscious or unconscious like you say that it's probably better not to regret your choices and just deem them as well that that's all going in the toolkit
1: yeah exactly and when you look back On what you've done with your life, you want to be proud of what you've done. Mm. Like regardless of what you see as like an outsider's success, those experiences really make up who you are as a person. Yeah. And you want to give it everything that you've got. It doesn't mean that you're always working these late nights, but just your enthusiasm for it all, and what your mission is when you do it all. Like that's most important.
0: So you are working on your practice and becoming stronger and better at what is like just an insane skill. I I think of breaking as just like a whole other world (laughs) and ability. You know, as a dancer, I'm like, uh, I can't even imagine being able to do the things that you can do. But teaching that, passing on your knowledge, you know, you're saying obviously what you'd learned when you went to America, you were itching to tell your story and to, to teach others of what you'd seen, but actually teaching classes, that's a whole other thing in itself going into that environment of teaching was that something that just happened organically or did you set out to to become a teacher
1: it was organic it definitely was I sort of did have to sort of work the ropes and sort of just like make myself known not only as a breaker but also as a teacher as well yeah like it's definitely taken a lot of energy and a lot of time
0: yeah because holding space for other people is such a responsibility isn't it
1: it is but then You always have to look at the bigger picture. You have to always look at the outcomes and the results of it all. Like if someone had a gun and they were to point it at me and ask me what my mission was within my work, I'd say I just want people to be healthier and happier. Like that's what my mission is. Mm -hmm. And whether that's through my example or through my workshops, then that is ultimately what I want for other people. And so when when you're communicating a message like that, It makes it easier to work with different groups. You're not trying to uh, pigeonhole yourself Mm -hmm. as only a B boy or only a dancer. Because even when you say that to people, it comes with its uh, judgments from other people and the images that they have in their heads of those art forms, Mm. like, might hurt you more than help you. But if you just clearly communicate those messages of, like, I want young people to express themselves authentically, I want them to be. Uh, and empowered to be able to take charge of their life, to take charge of their health, then that's something that everyone can actually get on board with. I've ruffled a couple of feathers in the earlier years, sort of by making sure that all the examples that kids have, whether it's in the schools or at home, that they're seeing the epitome of health, but they're not. Like there are PE teachers in schools that are less healthy than they should be like there are teachers that are trying to teach about like um food tables and they're morbidly obese and you can tell that they're not they don't have um a connection to the message they're like why should i be healthy when my teacher isn't healthy why should i eat these foods if my mom won't eat these foods or like why should i exercise when i don't see anyone exercising like for what reason like why and um it's important that we as artists also show that example. Because if we're banging the drum of mental health, but we're not mentally healthy because of, because of our choices, we're not getting the sleep that we need, we're not meditating, we're not saying the thoughts to ourselves that we need to, we, we don't have um, um, the connections that we should do with other people. Like If we're not doing the things to help ourselves, how can we help other people?
0: It's a main field, actually, that subject alone going into that um I, I know you know from my perspective the arts helps those messages to embed a bit easier
1: yeah for sure like that's the thing you want to be as inviting as you're able to when it comes to sharing any of these life lessons i mean i know for a fact if we're talking about this in a dance sense like there is a way that um you break there's a, there's like as much as innovation is amazing and uh, originality and everything is so necessary, there's a way to do this dance that makes it what it is. So you can't really ignore that. But what ends up happening is that as you sort of um, mature or as you're on this sort of learning curve, there are people that try and say, you need to do these moves. And if you don't do them, you're not not a b-boy. But you don't learn what... The function is you don't learn like the purpose it serves. You don't understand what the motivations are, because someone can say to me, hey, you should learn this move. And I'll be like, well, why should I learn this? Why should I do this on uh, both sides and not just the one side? And then someone will say, well, look, it's good for your muscle development. You don't want to have imbalanced muscles. So it's easier to hurt yourself or in the fact that you see certain dancers, the way that they move from one move into another they use this little move as like a transitionary move and then and then it makes sense because it's inviting. You don't want someone just to like shove the idea to you and you just don't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's but connecting the dots, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Like everyone needs help. Mm. Everyone wants to be able to ask for help as well.
0: Yeah. I think just the exchange of knowledge and exchange of experience is important that's you know why I've done the podcast as well I think there's a takeaway from everybody's experience even if it's really removed from yours and it's not a world that you're in you know someone listening to this podcast just now that's never had any inclination of doing any sort of dance never mind break dance but your world will be of interest to them and your experience will be of interest and, and useful to hear you know the more and more and more that I do this podcast I realize that a lot of our experiences are similar in so many ways as well, and what you know, the feelings that come up for people and the challenges and different things um can be very similar when you boil them down. And that whole imposter syndrome thing, you know, the confidence thing that we were talking about earlier on being your own cheerleader that comes up time and time again.
1: Aye, we're vulnerable people, like we feel it more because we're in the arts, like we definitely feel it a lot more. We see our success linked with the success of our art. Like if we're constantly getting hired all the time, we're finding a flow within our work. We feel amazing when we do it. Everybody once said to know who you are. You see that success in your art is a personal success. But well, then guess what? What if there's no one hiring you? You're not finding a flow within your work. Then you I, uh, identify too much with your art in that way. We need to have um, a detachment in terms of the the services that we offer with our arts and what the art helps us with on a personal level and when you try and uh, marry the two to the point where like what the art represents for you is how you make your money then that's an issue because then you're on like a really fine line
0: like even in a time like this where Everything's up in the air, and a lot of us are not able to do what we would normally be doing. It's that sense of self, like who am I if I don't have my art, if I'm not producing it, if I'm not sharing it, who am I?
1: But that's the thing; you have to do it for yourself first and foremost. Yeah. It's like even if you weren't getting paid for it, would you still do it?
0: Exactly. exactly. I mean, maybe
1: to the capacity that you'd like. Yeah. You might not want to do it, but you have to love what you do first, because it's your love your enthusiasm forward that uh, sells it
0: and I think you know looking at your social media and your content it seems like you obviously that you are incredibly passionate about what you you do and you're very very dedicated to your practice Um, and and also sharing the world that you love so much with others and I see that you then started a breaking festival in Glasgow
1: resurgence yeah resurgence and also baltic breaks and waves um I'm, i mean it was actually a collaboration between the homies tesco and uh mario right so tesco and mario and i were all a part of the jalapenos at, at the same time mm-hmm. Roundabout. Right about what we realized was that every time we would travel down south for events there's always events down south but there weren't so many up here in scotland i mean we had uh, castle rocks which happens as a part of the Fringe every single year. And then there just wasn't really anything after 2012, because that event ran for eight, eight years. And with the connections and with the network that we've got, we like to see what other people are doing, what they like, what's missing, what people hate about events. We've been able to take all those experiences and make something of it. So that's why we created the Resurgence.
0: So what does that look like? How long does the event last? Who who comes to the event? What happens?
1: Um, Well, thankfully, um, our network goes across Europe and even across the waters as well. So every time we've managed to organise a battle event, whether it's a popping battle or maybe like a breaking battle, because resurgence in the summer is always a breaking battle. But our Baltic Breaks and Waves event, which is every winter, as a breaking and a popping battle, right? So we'd always have a different audience for each event. And we would always have an international attendance. Like even when we held a collaborative event with South Ayrshire Council, this was 2017, we even had an international audience. And we're like, how in the hell are people traveling into air from wherever they are? Mm. Like, it was amazing. So we ran that event for uh, four years. And then we had our five year anniversary. It was just a party. We had a five year anniversary last uh, September of 2019. And then we've been on hiatus and we'll probably kick things up again in like 2021 or 2022. We'll see.
0: Amazing. And when you say the word battle, what does that entail for anyone who's like alien to that? Basically,
1: one on one, two on two, maybe up to like a crew battle, maybe 10 versus 10. So it's always. depending on how many rounds are in a battle, one person goes first, they throw down, and then the other person does, then there's always a set of judges and they vote.
0: And it, I would guess, like, because you were saying earlier on about it being a really friendly, welcoming environment and using words like battle and stuff, m- maybe the connotations for people that are not in that world, they would think that sounds like scary, that sounds like, you know, it's about competition, it's about being the best. What would you say Hip to pop that? is
1: competitive. Like, hip-hop is a competitive art form. We have to think about it like this. There's two sides to it. The first side is the Zulu Nation side of it, which is all the peace, unity, love, and having fun, right? This is, this is where hip-hop is such an open, accessible culture, where, where people of every ethnicity of every nation is accepted, where it's easy to make friends, everybody's really social, right? There's that side of it. But then there's also this other side of it, which is... um prove yourself the the rawness the everybody going at each other's heads but that's just the competitive nature of us as uh, humans just exercised in that manner
0: yeah well i guess it's like other sports you know other sports you compete against other players it's just it's not a world that i was introduced to until i was asked to be a judge a dance competition, I, it was just dance competitions went on my radar. So the whole competing world just was totally alien to me. And then I was asked to, to be a judge at one. And I was a bit like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, just because I didn't know anything about it. But actually, the first time I did it, it was just such a lovely experience. The kids had an absolute ball. They just had the best yeah. day ever performing. They were all supporting each other. It didn't matter which dance school they came from. Or, you know, they were all just you know, there because they, they all just love dance. The, it was just great vibes. There was no animosity. To, and even, like, the parents and stuff, there was I didn't feel like there was anybody there that was, you know, there for their own reasons. All right, but then
1: here's the thing to know, right? There's winners and losers in hip-hop. There will be times where you're completely out of your depth and you get smoked. It's happened to me. It's happened to my friends. It's happened to everybody. Like, people will go at it, whether it's in the circle, in a cypher battle, or whether it's in like like an organized event it's the best way to learn when you realize okay I wasn't so good and I needed to, to do better because this whole thing about getting a participation trophy it's, it's really good in some ways because for those that didn't want to do it anyway they feel significant because they actually did it but the problem is that it reduces the significance of the winners medal so so I think the idea is that we need to be encouraging people to do their best and for them to learn from their losses and to learn from their mistakes. I mean I've probably lost more battles than I've won.
0: I guess for some people it's just their own barometer, isn't it, of what if they're improving or what you know, the whether it be a performance or whether they're competing or whether they're doing some sort of kind of exam or whatever it may be, whatever their level of you know, gauging whether they're doing well or if they're improving or if, you know, they had like a Terrible day, and it was just like everything went wrong. And for you, that that's obviously not a threatening environment that you enjoy. The competing aspect of it that it allows you to see yourself improve. Everyone's
1: there for the same reason. Like everyone's there for the same reason. You're accepting of it, so you can get into that mindset of just wanting to take off everyone's head, and that's okay. As the problem is that, and, and I've had a couple of cyber battles, you know, in the circles with some people, and their energy is a lot different from mine. They're maybe coming into this, look, I just want to have some fun. Let's see what we can do. But they're approaching me and I want to take off their heads. Like I want to be the better dancer by a mile. So maybe they're not approaching it with the same sort of uh, tenacity. So you have to find other people that are like that, because that that can be like a beautiful thing, just to see two people having fun, there's no animosity. You know, they're learning, they're exchanging. That's probably what an exchange would be. You get an exchange and then there's a battle. When you get an exchange, it's very open. It's like, yeah, that was amazing. Here's what I can do. But if it's a battle, you're like, nope, I'm going to win this. But being in a scene like that doesn't always translate well when it comes to the rest of the art sector. Because when it comes to uh, participation and just getting people involved in it, there seems to be so many hoops that you need to jump through just to make sure that people are having a good time. As an active uh battler myself, I have to think, okay, how can I get people into it, but then how can I make them the very best that they can be? And I think a lot of the times that I see arts events and other things, they just want to get people into it, but they're not looking for them to excel.
0: Right. I guess, you know, it's it's creating that opportunity for the spark yeah to be there and then like like you did then take it further but i understand what you're saying like maybe there needs to be more space for development
1: like it serves a purpose that's the thing like i love the opportunities that it offers for people in terms of access in terms of like you know as as we say there are opportunities for people like let's say at risk youth to engage with something that might actually change their whole life whether yeah. they know it or not, mm-hmm. right? But you also want to give them the space to be able to take it to newer levels. And so you need people in the scene, within the sector, that can actually bring that out of them. So with hip-hop dance, or with any sort of dance, to form that always has a battle and always has a scene, you're always going to find that. And
0: Have you then taken it upon yourself to create these opportunities? I mean, I remember speaking to Hannah and she said that Glasgow can was able to support some of your work with young people. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, so that was for the project in uh, Mary Hill. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. Like, There's uh, two sides to it all. There's the uh, participatory sides, where you just want people to know what you do. You just want people to get involved in a culture and a life that can be uh, beneficial for them. But then that's why we created the resurgence events as well, because we also wanted to link people that came to our workshops and get them into events, so they could see the full extent yeah, of it—the
0: bigger picture.
1: Because you can't just show them one side of it; you have to show them the whole thing, so they know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, and
0: something like that would maybe because there wasn't that many opportunities. You know that that could seem very far removed from their reality. The fact that you started that festival uh, and brought that to Glasgow when it wasn't on people's doorstep. When you know you're saying like I've taught you these moves and you're enjoying dance, but that's it, because actually the scene's not here, the scene's elsewhere. I guess that could be a a real barrier for for young people who have found something they love to do.
1: I think that's the thing. Like I'm not the first person to organise events here, and I'm not going to be the last as well. Like you know, I have to give a shout out to the Flying Jalapenos because while I was down with them for about four years, they've done a lot of work in Scotland in terms of getting people involved. And um, they used to organize events as well, whether it was like a jalapeno's anniversary event or just like one of these uh, smaller offshoot events where they would have like MCs involved and do like live shows in a battle, different things like that. Like I know I'm not the first person to do this, but I'd like to think I'm the first person to bring certain people to a different audience.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's just if you don't see it, create it.
1: I love the hip hop scene here. Because it's RAW, they've localised the idea of American hip-hop and just turned it into something else. It's like a total beast right now. But it's not always accessible because you don't always know where to find it. You think that maybe there's some certain uh, characters in hip-hop that don't really resonate with you, so you might feel less inclined to uh, attend these events Mm -hmm. and things like that. Or maybe if your perception of hip-hop is that it's for people that are violent, that don't aspire to much in life, and All this other shit that you just know, like not to be true, that might just turn them off anyway from going. So, so it's about making something like that accessible and showing all the true colors to it. Yeah,
0: it's like I guess on the flip side, it's like looking at ballet and someone thinking, "Oh, that's for the elite. That's you know, that's for a certain kind of person." You know, or it could be that, oh, you know, ballet's not for boys, and you know, all of these things, all these stories that people tell themselves or other people tell them these preconceived ideas of what things are you know i've had this conversation time and time again had it the other day there are just about theater and you know, people people not seeing themselves going to the theater or certainly not taking part in a drama class and it's like no 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 you can have this this can be part of your life um and it sounds to me that that's what you're doing your mission is to introduce it to anybody who wants yeah
1: and the opportunity should be there like young people should know what's available to them and even adults as well it's like whenever it comes to anything that can improve your physical health your mental health your overall well-being your uh, communities as well people need to know what's accessible to them and what's available to them and the problem is that with with breaking you can only learn this in five areas in scotland out of a total of like, I don't know, like 18 or so local authorities. So now that we're in lockdown and now that, you know, everything's going online, I want to reach out to as many people as I can and allow them that option that wasn't always available to them at first.
0: So have you been teaching online and have you been doing some classes? Yeah, with
1: NRFG, we've, we've been doing a bunch of, of online sessions. And of course, I have my own sort of um, uh, private sessions as well. And uh, basically, my reach in terms of the charities that I would work with was maybe, probably extended as far as maybe Bridge of Allen, maybe from Bridge of Allen down Mm -hmm. to South Ayrshire. And anywhere within that region was sort of where I was active. But now that we're all online, I want to take this everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's funny that like this lockdown could seem as very much as a barrier to the arts, but then it's just about embracing what you can and making it happen like you're saying that you feel it you've got more of an opportunity to reach people via the internet and that that's that's really that's great to hear that
1: I realized really quickly that I can't 100% rely on my physical workshops to earn an income I think the reason why this lockdown has affected so many people is the fact that they relied on people turning up to workshops they relied on a community center they relied on all these different factors that as soon as a lockdown is imposed, they lose all of their work. Like I remember all of my workshops within the space of 24 hours were gone. Yeah. Just with all the centers shutting down, with the charity sort of um, removing their money from such a project with all this in mind. And I think with being online, there's never going to be too much of it online because if people love your message, if you have like, like, a, like, like a mission that resonates with people and you, know, you collaborate with all the right people and you, get, you market yourself and you get yourself out there, then you can really make something of yourself. Artists are the worst at marketing themselves. We are horrible at it. We don't shout from the rooftops about our efforts and our achievements enough. We seem to think that it's not humble when we do that. But we do things that impact people's lives in a positive way. So we really need, need to shout about it. Like We need to be sharing our successes as much as we can to, to give hope to other people as well. Yeah,
0: that's true, actually. And
1: I'm not, I'm not as shy about that anymore as I used to be because how is anybody going to know to the extent, the impact that you make? Or how is anyone going to know about your work anyway if you're not shouting about it and ruffling a couple of feathers and everything like that,
0: it is important to celebrate your successes. And, um, you know, we're busy telling young people, like, you can do anything, you're amazing. But then the minute they grow up, it's like, oh, don't be saying that you're good at anything, you know, don't be picking <laughs> yourself up now. Oh, who does he think he is? And you're like, but you've just spent all those years telling that wee person that they're brilliant
1: ah yes it's like you're saying that like reach for the stars you can achieve anything but not this not this not that and
0: <laughs> don't tell us about it we don't want to know don't tell us how fabulous you are
1: <laughs> but this is the thing like think about it in the opposite sense you're meeting with someone that wants to commission you for a project but you've got no enthusiasm or self-esteem about what you do how are you going to convince them and this is why i'm more i'm more entrepreneurial about my art to where I've maybe been able to find some success that others haven't. And I think that comes from the values that I share from, you know, not necessarily commanding an hourly rate, but commanding a project rate based on the outcomes. Like people should learn how to sell, people should learn how to market themselves, people should learn how to create um, systems around their art. It's still a reflection of their art, it's an extension of themselves. And that's where you can find less of an emotional attachment when it comes to like marketing your art to other people because you're marketing a system that you've made that reflects your art and you don't have to worry too much about it being a success or a failure because it's a product.
0: I think we've got more tools than ever to be able to market yourself and not even cost, you know, if you're obviously privileged enough to have the devices, you know, a phone or computer or whatever, then you're able to, to market yourself without even it costing yeah, you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think um, the opportunities to network with other people are more available to yeah. us now than ever. The ability to maybe make up a product is easier now than ever. To share the messages that we want to share is easier now than ever. And um, we need to utilize it all. And sort of going back to what I was talking about earlier, about being more um, entrepreneurial about my work, it has caused a lot of resistance when it comes to meetings and things. It has caused a lot of issues because when you set a standard for your work, not everyone's going to be able to hire you. But you're not trying to get hired by everyone. You're trying to get hired by those that love the mission, that love what you do and really see your work as helping their service users. Like I know for the cost of some of my workshops there's a lot of people that can't hire me but there's a lot that can because those that can they get a certain um result every single time so if you're willing to pay for it you're definitely going to get that and even more than what you actually pay for
0: yeah i had the exact same conversation with hannah about about that very issue about what yeah. it is, you know, and, and if you can't afford it for whatever reason, if the, if that's just not within their budget, you know, if they didn't foresee that the cost that would be involved to get an artist like yourself in to do a project, then okay, that's fine. But then the project is going to have to be something else. But as it it's difficult to negotiate these things, it really is. One way we
1: can make accessibility easier in terms of like the best dance learning is to make it easier to hire dancers from your scene. Because they're the ones with all the knowledge. They're the ones that invest their own money into traveling, into battling. They have like a bigger network and a network that every organization wants to tap into. Like, I had a meeting with someone last year, and I said that the Resurgence event is like the largest hip hop dance event in Scotland that is self funded by local dancers. Except for maybe GCAN, we haven't had any government funding Mm -hmm. for what we do. And like, I'm always open to. Uh, I'm always open to um, working with different people. Like I don't want people to think that always giving off this negative energy, he doesn't want to work with these people. No, like I want to work with everybody, but I also want them to be uh, knowledgeable of everything that I've just said there. And it's going to be easier to make things work.
0: No, I don't think you come across as being negative i think it's just that yeah you're invested in that form <laughs> yeah oh, absolutely a hundred percent i think um i think what you're doing is is absolutely brilliant with the festival and your own practice and it seems like every day is a school day that you're yeah. constantly learning and pushing yourself because yeah we can always know more
1: but the prob but the problem is that not everyone is like me and i say this in the way that Some people are less likely to hire dancers from the scene because they're unreliable, they don't turn up on time. Unfortunately for some, they may be be smelling of weed, even though they shouldn't. Like Different things like that that I hear from every sort of scene that I travel to. It gives people more reason to not hire us or to not sort of build up a relationship with us. But more often than not, we just Hmm. need the opportunity. Like if we just get the invite and if things don't work out in all the talks, then at least, hey, you've reached out to us. It's amazing. Um, obvious, obviously, it's more accessible to hire the people that don't really command such a big hourly rate. But then what you get isn't what it should be, you know. As I said ages ago, I don't expect to be hired by everyone. But if I can get as many people involved as I can, then that's amazing.
0: I think from my perspective, working with young people a lot, i have always been of the mindset that you know i'm not the best i'm the best i can be i always try to be the best i can be but i would always encourage anybody that i work with to go and seek out more knowledge they should be able to go and experience lots of different choreographers and lots of different dance styles and find what you're in find your thing and you know so i would always encourage people to try it all and and work with different people and collaborate keeping your finger in the pulse mm. knowing what is out there and the opportunities and saying do you know what you should go to this festival it's absolutely brilliant do you know <laughs> look up chas b he's you know he's just a total expert in what he does that's what i'm aiming to do all the time with my practice
1: it's amazing that you said that like honestly like and this is another sort of um thing that i've learned from just like following and just like reading various uh resources on marketing and everything like that, right? If you have a superior product, it doesn't matter what other people do. It doesn't matter that a kid wants to bounce from your session to another, to another, to another. If you give the ultimate product and the ultimate service and you're just the, the, the very best that, that you can be, that's going to resonate and rub off on other people. So even when they go to these other classes, they're going to realize, you know, I liked this session, but you know that I prefer Chaz. He did this, he did this, he did that. And then maybe they want to go to somewhere else. And then it's like, look, like, I might have learned a lot here, but I learned a lot more going to this session here. And all these other things, because um, otherwise it's the teachers themselves that have a false hold of um, reality. Like, they just want to keep them there for as long as they can.
0: And then you go into the dance world. I mean, you, if you want to go and be a professional dancer, and you're going to have to be able to learn from different choreographers and different styles of dance and different ways of teaching. So why stifle that until they're of an age where it's like, right, well, I've only learned from one person and now I'm expected to learn from all these different people. There's room for everybody. There really is. Because we all have something a bit different to offer.
1: We do like we all have something different to offer the way in which we communicate things between every teacher and every dancer it's very different i mean maybe my message is good but the way that i say it might not work with some people just because they need a different kind of energy and they need a different sort of uh, vernacular let's say them just engaging with the events is amazing in and of itself the fact that they are involved within a community that's much better than what they could be like yes. the fact that Like there are dancers that I meet from different parts of the world. Maybe they lived in a ghetto somewhere or like a slum village somewhere. But the fact that they can make something of themselves and of their life by engaging with these events, by networking with the people that they are, by socializing and hanging out with other dancers when for the first however many years of their life, that opportunity wasn't available. Like that's incredible. I think it is important to to say that I will always advocate for something that is really beneficial to someone's health and wellness
0: that's that's important that's the most important thing like yeah. to to encourage and not discourage that the arts are really important in whatever shape way shape or form that you can access them they're just so beneficial for you on any level you know if it is just a hobby or whether you want to take it to the next level or and it is for everybody there, are, there is something for everybody yeah really. so chaz. I'm yes. going to jump you on to what we call the thingamabobs. Now these are just random questions that I like to ask my guests at the end oh of the dear. podcast to kind of get to know them just that wee bit better.
1: Sure, bring it. <laughs> right,
0: okay. If you could only hear one song forevermore, what song would it be?
1: Oh God, I'm just trying to think of the the name Marvin Gaye. What's ah, going on? Tune.
0: Good choice. Oh, you were all <laughs> over that there.
1: If I could only, if I could only hear that song. For the rest of my life, I would be a happy person. That is a tune, to be fair.
0: Tomato sauce or brown sauce?
1: Definitely uh, tomato sauce. I mean, I can have both, but if it's a preference, it's that one.
0: Fine. <laughs> uh, who would your three dinner party guests be? And they can be dead or alive. Oh,
1: God. Um, Anthony Joshua, the boxer. Mm-hmm. Will Smith. And there's a podcast interviewer called uh, Lewis House. The School of Greatness podcast. I would, I would have that in that my dinner. Yeah, the School of Greatness podcast. That was one of the first ever podcasts that I listened to as I was emerging as an artist. I think they've done like over 900 episodes wow. with some of like the uh, top minds in the world. And I've learned so much about my health, so much about uh, marketing, so much about like... And it's a podcast that a lot of artists would really learn a lot from, I would say that.
0: The question I ask everybody is, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Uh, ball bag. It does come up quite a lot, actually, to be fair. It has yeah. been on this podcast a lot. That's when I had to put that wee explicit sign on my podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, fair do's. I mean, if it's a part of our vernacular, then it's not really a taboo, is no, it? No,
0: that, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It totally doesn't make you a bad person if you use a wee sweary words every now and again.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, as long as you... Know how to express yourself, and you only use those words to further uh, emphasize a point. As long as you don't heavily rely on such words to get your point across, and it's all good. Sure.
0: and expressing yourself is something that you seem very, very comfortable in being able to do. You've been so eloquent on the podcast and sharing your ideas and your thoughts and your journey, um, and knowing now how you started out as a young person and having your stammer and not feeling that you could communicate, I think that's tremendous.
1: Yeah. And I think it's it's important for me to say as well, just on that note, that while I might have had those issues with the stutter, there are loads of people, loads of kids, that have similar issues sort of growing up in life without having such ailments, without having like something that's sort of like a barrier to their communication. And, and it, it's so important that we equip them with all the necessary tools, life lessons, and hacks, let's say, so they can navigate life to the best of their ability so that they, if they feel victimized for whatever issues they've got, that they can actually take ownership of their life. I mean, sort of growing up with the stutter, When I was younger, I was always saying, why me? Why do I have this issue? And I I always thought I was a burden to other people. I always thought that by being around other people and sort of complaining about the same things, it was as if it was a broken record. So it's important that whatever artists, whatever they do within their work, within the sector, that they use their channels, they use their knowledge and wisdom to help people to be better than they already are if you're not then you're doing everybody a disservice
0: Get (laughs) here yeah preach yeah that's it just always having (laughs) that younger version of yourself in the back of your mind and putting yourself back in those shoes that it's important to be a cheerleader like you said
1: yeah that's that's probably the key takeaway from this just be your biggest uh cheerleader be the support that you're that you're not getting from other people
0: well thank you so much for being a big cheerleader on the and the brave it's lovely to speak to you Chaz. i really appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me
0: and um, i wish you all the best with whatever projects and um, adventures that you're going on next um it feels like we're in a place where things are maybe getting better in terms of the current pandemic that we're in in the middle of so um
1: uh, there's always something to learn there's always someone that we can talk to when you think things are bad things could always get worse so that helps to humble you so no i really appreciate everything you've said i've had such a lovely time with you oh, that's kind. i hope to come back on at some point
0: yeah you're in the clan now so that's it yeah thank you <laughs> do you know what you're do you know what you're called
1: <laughs> what so I'm it's called? funny
0: that you came up with your favorite scottish words or phrase because yeah. um I have now coined the phrase the the phrase bra bag." Bro- so if you've been on the podcast, <laughs> you are a bra bag. So there you I'm go. I'm a bra bag. Well, it was Amazing. coming up so often. I thought, you know, being a goody two shoes, I have to come up with something that's a bit more um, <laughs> that I can put that I can put on a yeah. badge, basically. Uh, <laughs> Easy.
1: <laughs> so as soon
0: as those badges are made, there'll be one winging its way to your chance because you are a bra bag for sure. <laughs> oh, thank you so
1: much. I appreciate that.
0: Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Brawn and the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now